Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Stripped to Screen, and I'm your host, Max. And joining me here in the booth is Gideon. What's up? And today we are going to be talking about a uh, number of well-known... A number of well-known World War II films here. Actually, only two of them, but one's more directly a, a World War II film. The other one is kind of a pseudo-World War II film, uh, if you would agree to that no. summarization. No? You would say it's full-blown? I mean, it, it is in the time frame here, but uh, let's uh, cut the suspense here. It is uh, Inglorious Bastards is our first film, and then Casablanca is our second film. So two classics in their own uh, time of a re- release, yeah. I suppose, um, one being, you know, a huge classic from the, the essentially the golden age of cinema, mm-hmm. and then one uh, classic from the modern age. Uh, 1942 and 2009. Yeah, 2009. I was going to guess 2009 or 10, but 10 seemed almost too uh, too far in the future. Um, yeah, uh, I think we should start out with Inglorious, because I feel like I have a lot more to say about that one than I do Casablanca. I mean, I'd rather start out with Casablanca. But if you, uh, I have more to say about like Casablanca it. personally, but that's just me. All right. Well, uh, plus just let's just do it chronological, man. All right. Fair enough. So, uh, I guess it's going to be, uh, you and me on Casablanca here. So, <laughs> there's the bell. <laughs> there's the bell. Let's, uh, let's get her going here. Uh, you want to summarize the story for those who haven't seen it? Yeah. So, Casablanca basically takes place inside Casablanca, the city, um, which is, uh, under, uh, the basically French, but it's basically they're not, well, I don't know what it's called. They're like, it's the non, they don't have control of the, it's kind of like the, the middle ground where. Isn't it Morocco? Yeah, it's in Morocco. So, so it's kind of like a neutral-ish territory. It's a, it's a territory. neutral ground where basically anything can happen. Yeah. Um, and so you got Rick Blaine who uh, runs his Cafe American um, basically where there's a whole bunch of people there. You got Nazis, you got French people, you've got people who are just coming to get there, um, trying to get back to America or wherever they're trying to go. Um, then you've got Ilsa Lund who comes in, former, fl- former flame of Rick's. Um, and basically from there, it's the, it's the greatest love story ever told on film. Um, I don't know. I've been following midst, up. Set in the midst of, of World War Two. Um, and and the, and the broader conflict that's happening there. I don't know. Set, uh, seeing that we just followed up uh, Star Wars Episode Three, I don't know if we could call this the greatest uh, love story ever put to film. Dude, it doesn't even compare. <laughs> it's not even com- doesn't even compare. No, you don't think so? No. I uh, I rewatched this, and uh, the first time I had ever seen this was four years ago. I was a senior in high school. I had a film studies course. It was the first time it ran in like twelve years at my high school. And uh, I watched this along with uh, Citizen Kane, which I uh, dis- dislike as well. Um, the first time I watched this, I was bored out of my mind. And then I don't remember what the circumstances were. I couldn't even see the, like, the last 20 minutes because I had to leave for something. I had an appointment or something along those lines. But 
I just Dude, re- the, re- the rewatched last the whole thing. Is like the kicker on it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, rewatching it, I it was pretty much the equal amount of bored I was Dude, the first come time. On. I, I thought you were gonna. Like I thought it on rewatch. Rick's uh, acting is so terrible. Okay. He's so one note what? and just blank and doesn't have any. He doesn't no, emote at no, all. No, no, no. And no. everybody around him's great. Oh like I really gosh. like. I really like the surrounding people. Elsa's fine, and like you got all these other great characters. But but the lead for the lead to fall so flat was just Dude, a this disappointment. Is like one of Humphrey Bogart's greatest performance in a in a slew of great performances across his career. This, I mean, you've got like In a Lonely Place, The Maltese Falcon, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. This tops. All of them, I feel, because this is his best character, and this is his most like engaging performance. If only because the story is so great, but like just what he's doing here on a terms of like communicating subtext as an actor, like you don't get any better than this. Do you want me to tell you the comparison I came up with while I was watching this of what his performance kind of felt like to me? Go ahead, Christian Stewart in Twilight. Dude, no. I, really haven't even, I don't even know who that is, and I haven't even seen Twilight. The female so. lead of Twilight. Oh, who's, Kristen who's, Stewart. I Kristen Stewart. Christian Stewart. I was like, who the Kristen, heck is that? Kristen Stewart, the, um, the female lead of Twilight, who okay, is known I, for not being emotive at all. Comparison comes from like how? because they don't. No, neither of them emote. No, no, neither of them have okay. any, any have any sort of. It's it's so Dude, boring to watch him. It's like how do you, how can you say he's not emoting? Like in the is, first in the first little bit where you're touring the where you're touring his cafe, like he's yeah he's just pretty much taking care of business. But as soon as Ilsa comes in, like there's a bazillion emotions happening all at once, all in his face, without a single word of dialogue happening. I don't know how you call that not emoting. It just. I think I there are certain times where he it works a little better for him, but I'd say the movie as a whole it was very lackluster is as far as his acting goes. Um, I I'm I'm very surprised at at how high people hold this film, given given the leads, in my opinion, shoddy performance. Um, the people around him were great. I thought I a mean, lot of the writing solid. The supporting cast, the supporting cast is insane. Yes, I think the supporting cast is is what improves the acting like in this, not, but. not not uh, honestly the supporting cast like just from a performance standpoint they're 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 really really good i mean uh, i mean if we're talking depends on what, if we're talking about supporting cast or like the broader ensemble because like the supporting cast themselves so you've got peter laurie in a very small part but it's still great part as ugarty and then you've got um uh il uh ingrid bergman obviously as ilsa and she's giving the performance of her lifetime mm-hmm. and then you've got um she does a great job yeah and then you've got paul henride as as Victor Laszlo and then Claude Rains as Reno. So those are your main mm-hmm. kind of the main core and all those are Ace's performance. But then you go out to the broader ensemble and then you've got like Yvonne and then the Bulgarian girl and the and then the couple like all mm-hmm. like all that stuff is great too and like the threads that this movie pulls and the way that it does all of it all at the same time and like reaches and does all of it like I don't even know, know how this screenplay is even possible. But again, yeah, the performance is there. Um, they work for what they're supposed to do, but I think that main core performance is all they're all aces. Like they they're doing the best work that you that you've ever that you've ever seen in this movie. I, I didn't feel that way about uh Rick, about Humphrey Bogart. I, I just eh, he didn't he didn't 
I just I just think he could have done that way better. You have this I, romance, like, but not, literally he's, he's just like so like outlandish. Like he's not he's, doing. I'm like not a saying Wolf outlandish, but he's not doing like a Wolf of Wall Street see, type thing where Leonardo DiCaprio is just going all out and doing everything. It's no, not that type but, of performance. But that's not what I'm saying. But well, okay, it what just, are you saying then? Like what's he, bad? He's about got his he's got a blank stare. Ninety percent of this entire. He's not a blank stare though. Like you have to look at the con- the context with when he's doing and then understand like what's actually happened. Like. I don't know how you can see that there's not that he doesn't have emotion on his face because he's he's communicating like he's communicating loss, regret, um, trying to do his job. He's being cynical at the same time, like and then but trying to he's got he's putting up a like this veer like this uh this shield of cynical when we know deep underneath that he doesn't he's not actually cynical. We know he's a he's, good person, but that's not. But it's just it just seems like. Either he's trying too hard to be some sort of like insane, emotionless macho man, but he's not. or he's not trying at I all. Don't, I don't see how and he's being re- emotionless. Like he's like in that opening scene when they first when he first meets Ilsa. Yes, obviously he's trying to pretend he's trying to lock down his emotions and try not to pretend that he's showing any emotions when, because that's what he's not supposed to do. He's not supposed to show his emotions in front of her the first time that he meets her in, in however many four years I think they've been separated. Mm-hmm. But as soon as she leaves. And he's sitting there with Sam playing as times go by. And he says, you can play it for her. You can play it for me. Like, there's so much subtextual emotion in that single line. And the way he delivers it, like, just breaks there my heart. There are examples where he does emote. That is okay. one of them. Well, he's but not I'm not. The but I, sa- I said. He's not supposed to emote. But I'm saying most of that movie, I felt like he literally couldn't change his facial expression. Like, he was stuck. And there were scenes where it just seemed so out of place. Like, when. When Elsa comes to his room towards the last 20 minutes of the of the film, she comes to his room to kind of confess her love for her, for him. And she sits there in his arms. And, you know, when he has this big famous line, like, here's looking at you, like. Yeah, the it, repeated line it, throughout the movie. Yeah. yeah, you know, but in that instance there, it's like he just, it, she's confessing your love to him. And she's doing a, a, a great job, um, though a tad corny in the writing but then again i kind okay. hold, no, on, stop, hold on stop, hold on hold on no there's no nothing I, corny in this entire movie not a single corny it was, line, it was a little you. much like the line like oh you know she says something about like i can't think straight like you do the thinking for me i'm like what the heck because that's like well, that's, come yeah, that's, on. The, that's the peak of her emotional arc to that point i just because up to this point she's been trying to say like stay with either stay with laszlo and and follow through on her on her thing, and but then she Which, throughout the entire thing she can't hold back her feelings for Rick, and we see that like that scene where they're at the where they're at the lingerie stand where that guy is holding up the thing and it goes seven hundred dollars. Well, spe- friends of Rick two hundred dollars. Oh, special friends of Rick one hundred dollars. And throughout that whole scene, well, there's you got the subtext of the fact that they're shopping for lingerie at the same time, but then it, but then she's also like that entire scene she's trying to push Rick off, but eventually by the climax of that scene she's showing that she can't hold back her feelings for Rick, and so at that point they. She they, their relationship progresses, but at that point, when she comes in and says, "You think for the both of us, you have to think for the both of us." That's where she's basically coming to the point where she has let go of Lazo and says, "Okay, I'm going to do whatever you're going to do for me." Which, and that's and after that point, we see the insane climax where Rick kind of basically makes his choice and we see his plan play out. Which I kind of liked Lazlo as a character more than Rick. I, I, like, I mean, Laszlo, don't get me wrong. Laszlo is an incredible character. I mean, but you've got, there are two different types of people for her. Like, she's mm-hmm. she's stuck between two different types of men. You've got Laszlo, who's like the patriot, 
and and the social kind of climber and but then and then on the other side of that you've got rick who isn't like the social climber or whatever or who's going to get her uh, elevate her social status but he's the he's the greater lover in a way like he she, she's never going to forget what they had in paris and the way that he loved her and she's never felt that with laszlo yeah like laszlo's never been that to her and so they've got and she was she's basically stuck between two different things in the situation of World War II that the situation of World War II has created for her. Like, this, that's the other thing about this movie. Like, the fact that it's set inside World War II, it's the love story set inside the greater context of World War II is just really interesting and, and, the, and, the, and the problems that that creates. I, and I also wish they had focused a little more on World War II. Funny, funny story here. When I first watched this, I was... I, I think it's hilarious that, and I realize how naive it was at the time, and it just showed that I, you know, how little I cared to know about it because I knew of it in the in the social, uh, or in the, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? In like the in just the culture, I knew of the film, but I had never actually seen anything of it before four years ago. The first time I watched, it. I thought it was like way more of a war movie and less of a romance. But just, well, yeah, it's it's set within the war, but the, the war is the context, and you don't get the movie without the context. Like mm-hmm. the context doesn't work in if it's not set inside a war movie because you've also got like the thing about Rick basically being. Uh, uh, complacent and 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 neutral in the war as America was at the time, mm-hmm. um, inside this neutral ground. Yep. Amer- and Rick be- basically being the only American that we basically see in the entire to- the entire thing, and then eventually choosing the side and choosing to do the right thing as America would eventually go on to do at the rest for the rest of the war. Um, okay. so it's it's got that con- like it's it's much it's not like. F- fighting it's not a war film in the sense that there's going to be like action war scenes, but it is totally a war film in the sense that it's like. Uh, contemplating like the morality of the war and the way that the war functions in a broad in like a much broader scope than it would in something like Saving Private Ryan, where it's more of a specific journey to go and bring somebody back, or in Glorious Bastards, where it's like you're following. Well, in Glorious Bastards is a whole different animal. That's yeah, that's a whole different thing. But I do think it's cool that both of these films are war films in a way, but yeah. they also. They're definitely Focus much more on the character. Yes, they're much more character based than something like. I mean, saving Private, saving Private Ryan has great characters, but it is much more like action that, oriented. Yeah, it's very action oriented. Than either Inglorious Bastards or Casablanca. And Inglorious, I mean, that is probably one of the most dialogue heavy movies I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what Tarantino's known for. Reservoir Dogs is like the dialogue movie. I mean, it's practically just a whole bunch of people sitting in a room, and 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 Inglorious shares that uh, that trait as well uh, for much of it. And I mean, it's a long movie as well. So, yeah, well, and, and that's the other thing about Casablanca is like how much it does in like an hour forty or something. Or no, it's like an I, th- I well, think it's, it's an hour forty two or hour thirty two. It's, uh, it's something right there. Yeah, but, it's an hundred two minutes. So yeah, basically yeah, an hour forty two. One forty two. Yep. And the amount of plot threads that it pulls off, character arcs that it does, uh, themes that it touches on, like it's insane what it does in in that small amount of time, um, like. It's honestly a little bit unbelievable, and I mean that's probably just the pacing. Like I watching this, this I think third, fourth, fourth or fifth time that I've seen this, the the thing that I was that I noticed this time was the pacing and like how insanely quick the th- whole thing just clips along. Like there's yeah. not a single dead beat in this entire thing, and it has to because of how many things that it's squishing into it. All right, we're going to take a quick little break here, and then when we come back, we'll be storing Casablanca. So stick around. <laughs> Hi, this is Nick from E-Town, inviting you to join us every Sunday at 9 p.m. right here on WRST-FM Oshkosh. Each week, we bring you lots of great live music, some insightful conversation, 
and inspiring stories about people really making a difference in their communities. It's ETEM, Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. here on WRST-FM, Oshkosh. And welcome back to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. I'm Max, and joining me here is Gideon. We're talking about Casablanca, and we're about to drop our scores for it. So, uh, Gideon, what's our first category, buddy? First impression. First impression for this, I was bored out of my mind. I, rem- I remember sitting in the classroom and kind of like, in the end, thankful. There was something that pulled me away from the ending because I was like, I mean, what they had like 20 minutes left. It's like, what can you do with 20 minutes here? Let's just this thing over with i've been sitting here <laughs> for 80 80 minutes just uh totally totally bored out of my mind so i it wasn't bad it wasn't bad but it didn't hold my attention at all yeah, and usually I, if it's a good movie that it has no problem keeping me in there and and i mean i i love certain movies that people hate and i and i love ones that people love so i i know that i'm at least well versed and 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 have the capacity <laughs> to stay enthralled with the movie and this one just didn't do it. So I would say probably a four out of 10 for my first impressions. It wasn't bad, but it was, it was by no means good in any sense of the word. Man, I don't know how it's person. I, I don't see how it's possible to be bored during this movie. Like the, it's just the, one of the most well-written dramas that you're ever going to get period. Like what the characters are thinking and doing and the way it plays out and the way it's written is just on a level that you don't see ever um, just between like character motivations and the way that they communicate that. Like when Ilsa first walks into Rick's, like I th- I think I literally stopped breathing. I'm not even exaggerating like this. I, I, I could not breathe because like the, the, the subtextual relationship and the way that like Rick looks over at her or when he first walks in after that. But then I mean, Sam, the way that Sam, I think Sam looks at her first when she first walks in and then when Sam and he and she asks him to play as times go by like that entire scene, like it's just chills running down my spine the entire time because like. And the way this, well, the way this movie uses music to communicate those emotions throughout, like all the other things, like I, I don't, like I can't, I can't, I can't dumb down how much this movie made me feel in this in a short amount of time, and just and the drama that's happening, like it's a ten out of ten for first impression. Ten out of ten down. I have a question for you then. Now that you've said your score, at least, so you have a minute here to for me to ask you this. Have you ever seen the Naked Gun movies? I haven't actually. You have not? No. There's a really, really funny scene where they parody that where he tells Sam to play that song. And uh, I'm trying to remember who it is. Um, he's a guy from Airplane. Uh, Leslie, ne- is it Leslie Nielsen? Leslie Nielsen? Yeah, Leslie Nielsen. So he goes to the piano player. He's like, play, play our song or something. And the guy's like, all right. And he just starts doing the song from Wizard of Oz. Ding dong, the witch is dead, the wicked witch. Like, just like in that high-pitched voice. He's like, no, 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 not that song, the other song. Like, It's just like the weirdest j- joke ever. But it's like my the, my favorite thing to come of this movie is that one parody joke right there. Like nice. it honestly is just so great. you got to watch that. But <laughs> they're great movies, by the way. If you like Airplane, Naked Guns, right there with it. Um, but yeah, uh, it just it, this movie's just never done it for me. And it, I know it's regarded as a classic, but I just don't share that sentiment with most people. But uh, what's our next category here? Well, Gideon? yeah, as far as first impression goes, this is my favorite movie, period. Really? Um, this is your number one ever? Yeah. Or yeah. Wow. Um. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. So you. So I have a feeling you kind of. Stat the deck on this one here, Gideon, but I suppose um, we have done my favorite movie too, The Way Way Back. So, so next category is story. Story's all right. Um, I'd probably give this 
six. I don't think I would go any higher than that. I don't think I would go any lower. It's all right. Um, though at times it seems like there's a, lo- a lot of things going on. It kind of is hard to keep track of who's who and what's. There are yeah, just certain parts I mean, that, it, if that. If that's your biggest complaint about the movie, that's, I mean. Well, I don't know. It just seems like all of a sudden it's just like they, they throw a million characters at you and you have to like well, realize. Well, because there like, are a million. Like there's just, it's just a, the cafe is just full of people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, it's, but it's using all of them purposefully. It's 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 it characterizes what's going on there, and it's like giving depth and like it's not just the our main our main characters with like well I, I didn't mention Strasser yet, so mm-hmm. there's Strasser, but then the, so he's kind of like the outside antagonistic force, um, but the, like Reno, uh, Ilsa, Laszlo, and Rick, like though like you could have a movie mm-hmm. that's just those four. And so a lot of people would write it with just those four and just their their uh, dramatic interactions with each other, or five if you include Strasser, and then stretch that out to two hours, and mm-hmm. that would be a really boring movie because then like it would just be stretched out to the point where it doesn't need to be. Whereas with this movie, it uses the the other characters that Rick's going to go and interact with, and slowly they're going to chip away at his at his cynical facade and 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 go into his his true sentimentality and what he actually. Uh, uh, needs to come into at the end as 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 returning to being a patriot mm-hmm. and a freedom fighter, um, and I think the the way this movie handles those those other uh, uh, performances are or those other characters are, is, is also really great because like they're at, he, it's using them to do that, but it's not wasting time on them either. Like it's not putting throwing them in there and then being like, okay, we're gonna stretch this out and make it some huge dramatic subplot where each of them are gonna have their own arc. Like they, they you feel like all of them are their are real people and they and they fit within this world of Casablanca. Yeah. But like they 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 impact Rick, but they feel like they're the, their own characters. But at the same time, we don't devote too much time to them than we need to. Like I feel like they're just the balance with those with those uh, smaller characters is just so is like it's just perfect. Okay, so what's your score? Um, first, uh, yeah, and just overall for story, like this is just one of the best, possibly the best screenplay ever written. Um, I give that to Chronicle. Okay, don't <laughs> like just the way that this communicates character. First of all, um, through dialogue. Well, I mean dialogue. Yeah, through dialogue. Um, it's got some of the best. I mean, every the thing about this movie is that there are so many great lines in this that the only time you get surprised is when there's not something that's like mind-blowingly clever or like purposeful. Like I will say there was very good like the writing is so it smart. is strong. I think like, I think and, like and, and and it's communicates character and purpose but at the same time at the is being per, like super hilarious. There like, were good there were definitely good parts of comedy in it. And that's why this the 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 story doesn't go lower but but at the same time the the actual comedy like there were there was that one joke like when the dude you know, shuts the place down for the gambling. Yeah. And then he's like, here's your winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Like, whatever. Like, if that was even a, a half a second. I'm shocked, shocked to find that there's gambling going on. Yeah, here. here's your here's your winnings. Uh, if that joke hadn't been timed exactly the way they did it, I don't think it would have landed as as funny, which is a great example of how, how much timing comes into play with comedy. Yeah. Uh, because it's almost like... One dude stops talking immediately. The next guy's yeah, on it. It's the, and, and like I said, the pacing before is perfect. If, well, if if there wasn't even if there was even a half a second of gap there, it wouldn't be as funny. Yeah, Reddle's one of the funniest characters in the whole. Thing. I like, I like line, him very much. His line earlier when he says, um, at the very start when he first is first introduced, he says, "My men are rounding up rounding up twice the the twice the usual number of suspects," is all at, like all at once 
both communicates exactly who Renault is as a character, mm-hmm. provides exposition for the current political situation going on in Casablanca, sets up a joke for the end of the movie, and is one of the funniest things that I've ever heard. Like, all mm. at the same time. Like, you do not write things like this. People never write things like this. It just, it just doesn't happen. Like, or when he's talking to Rick and he's like, uh, why did you come to Casablanca, Rick? And he says, for the waters. I came for my health. And then Reno says, uh... Uh, Casablanca is a desert, and he's like, and then Rick says, "I was misinformed." Like I, like it's that's just pretty good. Yeah. Like it's so, so, and there's a million other examples. Like there, every single line in this lot in this movie is basically quoted. Comedy hits very well. I will definitely well, not, give you that. But it's, that's the thing about this movie is it's not just comedy. Like it's comedy that's serving a greater purpose other than like that scene I was talking about before with the lingerie when the guy's going yeah. seven hundred. I get uh, uh, yeah two hundred one hundred uh, for special friends of Rick. Like it's it's a hilarious joke, but at the same time it's communicating the relationship between Ilsa and Rick and where it is at that point in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is an easy 10 for me, like, for story. Not, like, it's not even a question. Okay. I still stay on six because I think the rest of it kind of falls a little flat, but I think I, I what I, I definitely did enjoy the comedy beats. Yeah. For sure. I, I don't But even, let's okay. get to the next category. Here, um, next category is acting. Again, I mean, I already kind of said my, my piece on this, uh, that everybody except... Humphrey Bogart is great, and it's just like he he kind of brings it down, which is, you know, that's unfortunate that he he's the lead and 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 he's not great in this, at least in my opinion. Um, and when that happens, I mean that that affects the acting far more than having a B character being bad and the the lead being good. And when when, I mean that's even I think really tough to score then at that point. You know, I I would probably say acting's a seven. Because everybody around him's great, but when your lead falls flat, that that's almost inexcusable. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that sentiment, like, even a little bit. Well, I know you're um, probably going to give this a 10, too. I from am going to give this a 10. Um, not just because, like, Rick and Ilsa are great, but because everyone else around them and everyone else around them is all great. Like, I, like there's not a single bad performance in this movie. Everyone is, is, is doing great work. Um, like, Rick's... Like I go back to that scene with him and Sam after this, after basically the first the first act ends, and you got Rick and Sam waiting in the dark, and like the and he's finally away from people, and he's finally able to let kind of like let his emotional guard down a little bit. Just I mean, he's not even letting it fully down because he's in front of Sam still, um, and he's trying to basically say to Sam, "Go away, I want to be sad right now." Essentially, um, and he's drinking, and just the, like the look in his eyes, like I just I'm, it's so striking. Um, what he communicates as a performer in that in that moment, mm-hmm. um, like and then at the end when he when he's talking to Ilsa on the runway and he says here's looking at you kid like I oh, it just gives me chills just thinking about like what he's doing on in this performance and everyone and Ilsa too like I don't know it's just great it's okay. a ten out of ten okay. it's like well it's like it's just one like you don't think of Casablanca typically as a performance piece like you normally think of it as the I at least I do think of it as like the greatest screenplay ever written but watching it again I'm like this is basically a performance piece. Like, it's that good. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got this many people doing this great of work. Um, like, you think of a performance piece today, like, I don't know, say The Revenant for Leo. Like, you don't think of The Revenant as uh, a great screenplay. You think of it as, okay, they're going to make Leo do the most insane possible thing you can think of um, yeah. as as a performance. But, like, here, I think that, like, the performances in this movie are better than even, like, The Revenant or, the, or say, Birdman or any of those, like, recent... I mean, that's... I don't know, whatever. Uh, it's a 10 out of 10. Easy. Look and feel, fi- uh, fourth category. I... This is one thing that usually is always high up there because I always thought 
The aesthetics of a lot of great classic movies are awesome. For as much as I hate Citizen Kane, I love the aesthetics of it. Yeah. Costume design sets, all that. This is no exception. Um, this one, I think that's always been the strongest aspect of this film. Uh, really great. Doesn't, I mean, you get the vibe that it's an old, like a classic Hollywood set, but at the yeah, same yeah. time, it doesn't inherently look like how you would expect it. No. So I, I think they do a great job both showing it and not showing it. And uh, if that if that somehow makes sense, like you just it, it's it's yeah. such an interesting yeah, aesthetic, a, yeah. And and I think it's fantastic. I would probably give this, uh, I think I'm somewhere between an eight or a nine. I uh, I think I would probably give it an eight. I I feel like I'd be at like an eight point four if we went into decimals, but yeah. Um, you compare it to Citizen Kane. That's the other comparison I was thinking of. Citizen Kane. Um, is one of my uh, other favorites uh, from this era. I mean, there's others, but like Citizen Kane is on another level when it comes to look and feel. Yeah, um, that was because, groundbreaking. Not just because of like the way it looks, but like because of w the way it looks and what that means. Like the way Orson Welles uses cameras and camera angles and composition and stuff like that to to communicate mm -hmm. uh, character and theme. This movie doesn't necessarily do that, but it's also not but, trying to do that. But it's like, also it's, just it's a not, cool it's setting. Not, it's and also they, just, right. Yeah. It's it, it, like the way this movie uses fog. Uh, and, yeah. and like, and the, and the different walls to communicate like the way that they're basically trapped in Casablanca. Mm -hmm. Um, it uses like these little dollyans, like they're very slight, but yeah. they're still there. Like the way the camera just slowly dollies in, like basically puts an emphasis on whatever character, whatever character is like saying something like those are all great and they're all over the movie. And I love those too. Um, this movie's visual design is just great. But then you think about like the, the feel of it and the vibe of the overall thing, like the, the music comes in a great play. That, like as time goes by and La Marseille, like both of those songs are, are perfect for what this movie is doing and make you feel so much in the moment. So that, that fits more into effect. But like, as far as like the, the vibe of the song that's chosen, this movie doesn't really have a whole ton of score, but the, those two songs specifically are great. So I think look and feel, I'm going with a nine, not quite a 10. Cause like, if you compare it to something like Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane's like a 10 as far as look and feel it goes in and like visual design and the way cameras, mm -hmm. com camera angles yes. communicate. Um, like this isn't, isn't quite to the level of that as far as camera angles communicating meaning, but still a nine. Final category, effect. This one's probably a three for me. I mean, I, I leave watching this movie every time just bored out of my mind, and I'm like, well, that was an hour 40. I'm probably not going to get back, <laughs> you know? And, uh, uh, you know, aesthetics only go so far, but, but when you're bored in a movie, I mean, it's just its own experience, and, and the effect of this film has never been great. It's been lackluster for me. I realize it's not, you know, the worst movie of all time, but... I mean, it's just not, and it doesn't do its job of enter, of being entertaining. That's that. I mean, that's in. in I think essence, this is one of the most entertaining movies ever. In essence, I think that the job of any movie or play or anything, the the number one priority be entertaining. I don't. And think that's I don't the think sole thing for a movie. But go ahead. Well, there's. I mean, obviously, room for debate, and I kind of see where you're going already with that. But yeah, I just feel like this falls flat as being an entertaining film. I think I give it about a three. Yeah, for me, as far as, okay, so there's different types of effect, right? There's, like, entertainment value, there's, like, emotional impact, um, and then just, like, yeah, those are probably the two biggest ones, um, both also starting with E. Um, both of them are 10 out of 10s for me. Like, I feel like this, again, the pacing speaks to how, like, entertaining this movie is for me. Like, it just clips along, you're, you're never bored with what's going on in the screen because it's always, it's always putting a dot, like I said, with the dollies, it's putting a dot on the emphasis figures out what's going on, next scene, and then it's instantly captivating as far as you're into it, and like, whatever, the arcs of whatever happen is happening. 
But like, as far as like what this movie is doing emotionally to me, like this one of those rare times where I'm engaging with a movie almost solely emotionally rather than intellectually. Like I watch Citizen Kane and every single shot blows my mind. But then I watch Casablanca and I watch the montage of Ilsa and Rick in Paris and I'm like in tears. Like it's just, it's not like, and I'm engaging with it emotionally across its entire arc and what it's doing, it, which is just a, something that most, like almost any movie, even if I am am engaging with a movie emotionally, like say... Um, Titanic. No, no. Well, come on, that, um, that one makes everybody cry. <laughs> no, not me. No, um, that's funny. Uh, yeah, like... I'm trying to think of an example, like the host. Maybe I just watched the host. It's a it's so which I I'm also engaged with like intellectually, but like here it's like I'm almost. Is that the alien one? It's it's a Korean movie um, with mm. a with a monster basically created by pollution. It's really interesting. I think you oh. like it. Um, it makes me think of um, Love, Death, and Robots. They had a monster made of garbage in one of their episodes. If you ever watched that show, yeah. So, I mean, it's just it's the like it's probably the movie I've been most. Maybe not most, but like one of the most emotionally impacting movies that I've ever like, and I've mm. seen it five times, and it just makes me cry more and more and more each time I've seen it. Like I don't even like most movies can't do that to me. Like it's usually like I watch it once, and then I watch it a second time, and it's like more, and then it kind of dips after that. Whereas this is like it only keeps getting better and better and better for me. I last thing I'll say, uh, but first tell tell us your score ten. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's a ten for this. Okay. One, last category. Uh, so we'll be getting to the stores in just a minute here, but um. One movie that really hit me emotionally, which surprised the heck out of me, Liam Neeson in The Grey. That was, uh, it was kind of after he did like the first or second Taken movie, he pretty much plays the exact same character. I think the his wife in that movie is the same wife in Taken as well, so it's almost, it vibe-wise, it's almost identical. Movie like blew my mind. That one really like touched me. Um, but yeah, so when we return, uh, we will be telling you the scores of Casablanca, and then we'll be continuing with our review of Inglorious Bastards. So stick around. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. You're joining Gideon and Max as we review uh, Inglorious Bastards, one of Quentin Tarantino's most famous films. Uh, but first, what is our total score for Casablanca, Gideon? All right, final score for Casablanca. Or the greatest movie ever made. In your opinion. A 77 out of 100. Ah, I mean, what? Uh, you gave it what? A 49 out of 50? Yeah, 49 out of 50. So essentially a 98% on the Gideon scale. And what was mine out of 50 then? That would be... Uh, Yours was a 28 out of 50. 28 out of 50. So that... So it gives it the same score. It'd be a 50, 56 out of 100% for me. I mean, that seems yeah. about right, actually. The same score as me. Dr. Sleep, which is just very depressing to me. Oh, man. And I love yeah. Dr. Sleep. I Dr. thought that was Sleep, so much a better movie than this. That literally references Casablanca. When does it reference Casablanca? Uh, when uh, the snake bite lady is in the theater, she's watching Casablanca. Oh, I suppose I didn't even, I, I wasn't even thinking that. Um, maybe I did notice it, but I, I just wasn't focused on the screen, surprisingly. It shows you how invested I was in that movie. But, um, all right. So now, uh, Inglorious Bastards, one of Tarantino's, uh, you know, 
biggest films ever. Uh, Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz. Uh, what's the female lead's uh, name? Which one? Diane Kruger or... The, um, the one who owns the movie theater. Yeah, what's her name? Her name is... Her, the character's name is Shoshana. Um, okay. The actress's name, uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. It's uh, Melanie Laurent. Okay. Melanie Laurent. So all of, all of these uh, actors did a great job, I think. The story is essentially following three different characters. One, a movie theater owner, uh, a guy who is with the Nazis hunting Jews, and then finally you have um, Brad Pitt's character who is leading a small group of soldiers through... Aldo Rain. Yeah, Aldo Rain, uh, who's leading a small group of Jewish soldiers uh, kind of as like this revenge fantasy sort of deal. And and it's kind of like the the battle of wits between between Christoph Waltz and, and Brad Pitt and this... There's so much. This is such a deep movie and there's so much to go into, but, um, you know, it... <laughs> It's fantastic. Very dialogue heavy. If you're like me, like the first time I ever watched it, I thought it was, again, another film where I thought it was going to be a lot more action, but this one at least somewhat <laughs> somewhat kept uh, that promise at certain parts, but it is a very dialogue heavy movie. Um, a lot of subtitles. If you don't like reading subtitles, yeah. this might not be your film. But yeah, uh, the way this movie uses language um, and different languages is really is really fascinating. But I think this this film really was what, put Christoph Waltz on on the map I think to a lot of people I think you're probably right about that I mean he probably I know I, he's a and don't get me wrong if Christoph if you're listening you know I love you to death I, I watch pretty much every one of your movies except Alita Battle Angel uh <laughs> but I know he was he was kind of big in the international circuit but I believe this is what kind of put him on the map um in America and then since then he's been used in in uh a number of major uh American films actually you know what I think James Bond, uh, Casino Royale, before this was his like big one, because um, um, I believe that came out in two thousand six. Mm, no, he if was I'm, Inspector. Well, yes. As oh, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Mads Mikkelsen. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Mads yes, Mikkelsen. but yes, he is. In, yes, he, he is, is Inspector. Bond, so he, so he's I'm only, wrong he's on the movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was for a second there. I blinked yeah, out. Which is uh, six years after. Yes, yeah, uh, six years voice. after, but. He's been in Django Unchained, and uh, what was another one I saw him in that he was really good? Oh, um, man. He was in that Tarzan movie, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, he was in Tarzan. I loved that. <laughs> he did a great job in there, too. That was a, a great movie. movie. I love that. I love that Tarzan movie. Um, I don't as much, but... I know you don't. You don't like anything I like, Gideon. We. <laughs> um, yeah, he was in, he was in that... Uh, um, yeah, Lita, you said, but that downsizing movie, did you see that? Where you, where, where they become, where they shrink people down permanently, and they yeah, like live I was not in a little. Fan of that either, but I, I didn't watch it because the concept kind of felt um, Black Mirror ish to me. Like, doesn't that kind of yeah, seem it, like that? It, it is kind of. It's got a couple really, in, I don't know, weird or interesting, depending on how you look at it, tonal shifts. Mm. Um, I just feel like I, I it could, is kind of Black Mirror in like the first half hour, but then it gets into like this weird social satire. Which is not like you did. You watched it. Uh, yeah, I've seen. I it. I did not. So um, yeah, but but I wouldn't recommend it personally. Okay, I was I wasn't feeling it, and I my chances of seeing that are probably like twenty percent. Now it's like one percent thanks to that. So, um, but yeah, Inglorious is is fantastic. I think Christoph Waltz, other than Doctor King Schultz and Django, I think this is his greatest um, acting role. I think this is probably better. 
honestly. Like, he's doing, what, four different languages in this movie? Yeah, he's and incredible pulling with off that. a little bit, uh, like, English, different shades. English, like German, French. Like, a shades and than what? he is in, 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 then in Django. Like, in Django, he's pretty much playing the same, like, print, yeah. playing it straight for the entire thing, whereas this, he's kind of, like, flip-flopping and figuring out and playing and kind of, like, Disguise, like, like again, it's the same thing as from Casablanca, like the subtext. Like that's what mm. I, that's the thing that I love about movies the most is the subtext, honestly. And when, I, or at least from a performance, and when he's communicating, like the difference, like in that opening scene. Uh, yeah, that's such and, a good start. And, and like the when he pulls out the pipe, that's bigger, like like the huge Sherlock Holmes kind of pipe. Yeah. <laughs> and the way, or like when he says, uh, uh, to him, starts speaking in a yeah, different and, language, and yeah, then he's and like, "So are they so under he, the?" He, he kind of domineers the conversation that way. But then he also is, says to him, uh, "Make yourself at ho- uh, make yourself at home to him," and basically makes the guy say that back to him. And, but so even though that guy is the one saying, "Make yourself at home to Christoph Waltz," Christoph Christoph Waltz is basically the one making. Him he's say persuading that to him. him. Yeah. He, well, yeah, he's like basically showing that he has control over the over the situation. Um, and the way that he communicates that subtext is is, is great. It's yeah, um, and and I mean bringing up the the quattrolingual uh, essence sure. of him in in this, uh, like I love the character of English speaking. You know, uh, Christoph Waltz That's in this a like bingo. Yeah. Is that how you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. You just say bingo. <laughs> bingo. He's <laughs> just he's great, but you know or. He's just one of the best movie villains, also of all time. You know, yeah, he's pretty great. He's he, up there. He's, I mean, like he's probably more interesting than like Calvin Candy, for example. Um, like Calvin Candy's great, um, but again, like I think I feel like this, this I, character I, has more layers to it. I him. would agree. I mean, Calvin Candy though also has a big ego in this. You know, he doesn't have that much of an ego. And yeah, but he's like he does it. Okay, when he does this really interesting thing with. Uh, with the Diane Kruger character, uh, um, what's her name? It's uh, Bridget von Hammersmark, um, where he like, well, you don't really know this yet. You don't know that he's not trying, he's not trying to stop the bombs. Um, so like, you're a bit confused why he's not straight up taking down the people in there. But like, he's also um, like the way that he feels like this need to just straight up go after her and choke her to death like right on the spot mm. like he's like he's like getting or or when he's or when he's uh uh talking to them and he's basically like basically making them talk in there he already knows they're faking it but he's basically just making them talk in their italian accents just to screw with them essentially yeah. for his like, own amusement. so funny to me but like he's basically doing it for his own amusement this yep. the entire thing is like basically doing it just to get him well, like, I, I, yeah. I, he's always steps ahead of everybody that's yeah. what i love he's one of the most and that's one great thing about tarantino villains they're always geniuses. Like when you look at um, Samuel Jackson's character in Django Unchained, I mean, he's in an essence almost more ruthless than, or at least much more s- smart than Calvin Candy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they talk about like the manipulation of uh, where where he's he's met he's messing with the white folks at 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 Candyland to make them kind of do what he's wanting to do, and he's the one that picks up on the Django. Uh, Broomhilda romance, and he right. fi- figures all that out. Nobody else is even at that level. Christoph yeah, Waltz, he's same definitely thing. Smarter than Candy, I, I would say probably. Yeah, and um, Christoph Waltz in this, in Inglorious, is you know already figuring out. Like he realizes that the Nazis aren't going to win this war, especially if this plan goes through. Yeah, he's figuring out what he's got to do to set himself up. He's got to you know he's he, he's doing all this stuff just just so 
with such calculation in his mind that that yeah. I just love. And it's just great to watch a really intellectual villain, which is why yeah. like you have people like Magneto or Lex Luthor, just these like you know re- renowned for their intellect and and their wit and. Yeah, it's. I think that that you bring up the point about him like getting ahead of the curve as far as like switching the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just brings up this whole can of worms with this movie as far as like its morality is concerned and like its worldview mm-hmm. and what it's trying to say and like what it is trying to communicate about its characters and how like he in particular is like flipping sides and it's like which one is actually the good guys or like the guy at the beginning with the when he's pointing at the map the one guy who's going to die for country and get beaten to death by a bat and then the other german soldier who just like instantly is like okay i'm going to betray my 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 the nazis to give these guys the information or like mm-hmm. you've got bridget von hammersmark who's going to who's going to be the 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 double agent or like everyone is kind of like switching sides and then you've got melanie Laurent who's like kind of doing the whole thing with the the cinema and burning down the nazis and it's like the the morality of like burning down the nazis versus them showing the movie of us watching kill them kill americans and like all of that's juxtaposed yeah. with each other and using the same comic compositions juxtaposed with each other like take a breath there Gideon. Sorry, my okay, goodness there's just a lot going on <laughs> like and, and the way like it's very it's a it's a movie that that includes a lot of like nefarious actions like things that are really really terrible like with them like they cut they cut uh uh dang the words blanking on me what are the, the nazi symbol the the swastika the, yes they cut swastikas into the their enemies heads to mm. make sure that they don't go home and then pretend that they're not nazis like yeah. that's very inhumane but at the same time, it's like serving a. It's not a humane purpose, but it's like serving this like you can't go out, go home and pretend that. Like yeah. in the whole you made the decision. You got to live like with using it. Using language to disguise yourself as somebody else, and like because you're both white, and then you can. But then he goes yeah. home, and yes, like there's just. I'm sorry. There's They're just making a lot them going live on. with the decision that they made at this point. Even though, even you know, no matter how the war plays out, they're always going to have that now. They always have that, like yeah. because they're all white. Essentially, they have the option to go and do whatever they want. And yeah. so they're saying, we're going to brand you so you can't do that. Yeah. So that's a really and interesting thing, but it's obviously, like, inhumane. I don't know. Yeah. I get what you mean. Probably some rule in the Geneva Convention that pre- prevents it or I something. Mean, but The war crimes in this movie, I'd love to see somebody count those up. Honestly. Yeah, I'm sure there is somewhere on YouTube. But uh, when we return, we'll be giving our scores for Inglorious Bastards. So stick around. Hey, it's me, your cell phone. We need to talk about something, something serious. I know you love me. I know you like using me wherever you are, but I feel like this isn't working out when you're driving. I know you may think that it's possible to focus both on me and the road, but I just don't feel the same way. I think we should spend time away from each other when you're driving. It's for the best. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Ten hut! I'm putting together a special team. We're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Sound good? Yes, sir! And uh, that was just a little bit from the trailer from uh, Inglorious. Uh, We're now about to give out our scores here. So, Gideon, what is our first category? Sorry about that, Gideon. Say that one more time, please. First impressions. So, sorry, Gideon, we had some technical difficulties there with your mic. Uh, first impression for me uh, was, I, again, it was a movie that was a little boring, it seemed, at first. Now, this has improved over over rewatches, I will say. And my overall score with this has improved 
with rewatches. But uh, I think that um, my first time watching this, I was a little bored. I would say probably a six. I'd say probably a six out of ten for my first impression of it. But my uh, but I did like it. Oh, after afterwards and all, but. I wasn't expecting it to be so dialogue heavy. And when I w- first watched this, I think I was like 13, 12. I was like, yeah, I, um, I think I first watched this maybe two years ago. Um, and as far as the effect this movie had on me, I feel like the tension, the tension building worked best the first time I watched it. Like I was, I was just more invested as far as like, um, like hold on the edge of my seat, you know, grabbing, grasping, grab, grasp, gris, gripping, grasping, grasping, gripping, grabbing. The, one the, of those words. One of those. One of them. Pick one. A B C D. Um, <laughs> the 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 arms of my chair and like just kind of being in the moment. Um, whereas over time, like you know what happens, so it's less tension. But like the way this movie builds tension, as far as like having basically five different sequences, more or less, mm-hmm. that each have like this incredible build of tension, and then eventually, uh, four out of five of them have like this release of violence that happens as yeah. a result of what's happened. I think I think that's right. Four out of five of them do. Yeah, something um, like that. Because there's the one, the, uh, the third one doesn't But they're always brief. Anything. They're always brief sequences. It, right. It's like, which is, well, wait, wait, what do you mean by brief? You mean I brief feel the like the action the sequences the, themselves? The, the, ac- the action scenes, yeah. They're, they're yeah, usually so like, the, like a quick shootout or something right, like that. Like bang, 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 bang. And then it's done. And then right. it's like, hey, all right, next hour of dialogue. Like, <laughs> Well, and I think that sequence, I mean, I'm totally okay. Like, I think that's a really fascinating way to structure a movie. It's, um, I, I thought it was v- tougher to keep my attention in this movie than other uh, other Tarantino films, for sure. Um, interesting. Because of the way that he paces this. But, I mean, like, all of his other movies are are at least similar. Like, like Pulp Res- Fiction, Pulp Fiction's got, like, a lot of talking. All, and, it's, like, it doesn't, it, it's, not, it's not structured in the way that it's, like, the, each of its chapters crescendo in violence, but it does have the same, the, a similar chapter structure, although the chapters are non-linear whereas here they're not um where each chapter kind of like fleshes out a character like it pulp fiction does have an interesting structure uh, compared to this um when, when you compare the two and see how they're similar and different from each other um but the way pulp fiction uses violence is is a little bit different than the way inglorious does um just in that it's more so like to to flesh out the world of los angeles if that makes sense whereas here it's like we know violence is happening during world war ii here it's much more to be like the release of tension whereas pulp fiction it's like either seeing like how disgusting or like weird it can get yeah kind of satirizing it almost yeah i think that's might be the best way to say it i think um yeah absolutely i mean me my score for this though i'm gonna go with a nine um yeah yeah and i mean it was literally i'm just i just have to like put myself back in my mindset what i because i can remember where I was when I watched this, how I was feeling about it. So being able to do that, that kind of gives me a, a, the ability to kind of give it that score. And, and if I seriously would have said like first impressions at first, I wasn't that, I was kind of bored by it until. Yeah. I mean, again, this depends on how you define first impression. Whether I, it's the first time you watched it, the first time after watching it or whatever. But yeah. I, I, I'm, I usually go by first time I ever saw it. Yeah. Whether that I, be if it's like the day before we have an episode or if it was years before, yeah. you know. So for me, I do have this logged on Letterbox. I watched it June thirteenth, two thousand seventeen, for the first time ever, and I gave it a nine out of ten. Mm. So wow, I had, I can't believe I saw this before you did, because I, I mean this was like yeah like twenty twelve. I must have seen this. It was the first. I, I swear that must have been the first time. Um, right as I was getting into Tarantino, because my dad was obsessed with Django. We saw that in theaters, all that. Um, yeah. but then second category, Gideon. Second category is story. 
man, this is a solid story. I like it. I love alternate history films. You know, although this is very grounded in reality and the only alternate history seems to be just the 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 rewriting of how the uh, how World War II ends, but uh, which in this almost feels like a pretty small incident. It's not some grand battle. It just happens to be one well-executed plan. It is you pretty know, grand, though, the way it all plays out. Is it's pretty great. grand from the inside of this theater, yeah. but from a world from, yeah, point of view, it's, it's, it's like a, a very, power, very right? small event. You know, this is some, you know, something you just read in the paper, but it's not like they had to level Ber- half of Berlin to do it, you know. So I, I really like the story. I think I would give this a, uh, I think, a 9 out of 10. I think the writing's fantastic all the way through. I think it's, I, I mean, it's a cool concept. I like that Tarantino really just kind of let himself work with this and and tell the story you wanted to do. It, he's like, I don't have to follow the rules of what yeah. really happened in World War II. Let's make this version. And he just went for he's it just and doing it was whatever awesome. He wants. Like this whole yeah. time he's just doing what he wants to do basically and it's awesome. Yep. And I, and that's the thing probably the one thing that I like about one of the thing one of the things I like about Tarantino the most is that he's just kind of like I'm going to do what I want to do. I do not care what the rules are. Yep. Like film school, screw that. Basically, he said one time he's like all that other stuff he's like you don't need crossing the 180 degree line, screw that. Um, which he does cross the 180 degree line in the opening scene, actually, by the way. Um, mm. Split diopters in this movie are really interesting, the way he uses those. Um, like the scene with, I think the only time that he uses split diopters is with the scene with Bridget von Amersmark in Gideon, the basement. give people a little bit of a, so they don't have to Wikipedia. Okay, crossing the, the 180 degree line is like. Well, we only, know that. Okay. It's not. Split diopters are like, is, is, a, is, a, is a lens that's basically got two different focal lengths. So, like, when you can't yes. get a, a greater depth of field, you basically have two different people who are in the same focus at the same time, even though when they shouldn't be. Jaws does it. Uh, Jaws does it. Like, Toy Story uh, 3. Toy or Story four, 4. Uh, 4. Yes, um, 4. Brian De Palma uses split diopters all the time. Um, the Blowout is one of, like, my favorite movies. It uses split diopters really interestingly. Um, but in the basement, it's like, so it's kind of evokes this idea, like, okay, so she's, why, okay, why is she in a split diopter? Well, she's a double agent, so that kind of makes sense. You got that kind of like her and the thing, and like basically which side is she on? Why is she in focus? It's just really interesting the way he uses it. Um, but the way this, we're on, what, what category are we on? Um, story, right? Yes. So, I, like I said, the structure of this movie is probably the most interesting, interesting thing about it. If you look at the writing, I think the writing here is really good. And again, you've got like uh, character motivations, again, in the subtext being communicated. The thing, like if you compare this to like Casablanca, though, Casablanca does. Everything that Inglorious Bastards does, but it's hilarious throughout the entire time, basically. Whereas Inglorious isn't really necessarily f- funny the whole time. Like I was just watching this, and I was like, "There's not a whole ton of comedic beats in here." As you, as I, as I remembered there being, like you've got the part at the end when they're when Brad Pitt's like Bon Giorno, like that thing, and yeah. like his in his Kentucky accent or whatever he's doing, <clears throat> or Tennessee, I think yep. he said he's from. Um, so there's that the, and then there's like the thing, uh, whatever. It's it's not as funny as Casablanca. I feel like Casablanca communicates all that, and also has great like like dialogue throughout. Whereas this one, it's like it's not quite to the level of like Pulp Fiction in terms of like crackling dialogue. Okay, so is it like an eight for you? It's like a. I think I'm gonna have to go with eight for story, just because I'm still not necessarily landed on as far as like what this movie means and what it's trying to say. If I figure that out, maybe it'll go up to nine. I don't know. I'm gonna stick with an eight for now. Acting is our next category. Ah. Uh. 
Fantastic. Everybody's fantastic. I don't, I mean, even Michael Myers is fantastic in this. Oh, yeah, Michael Myers. He's in it for like so five hilarious. minutes and he, he's great. He's totally hamming up that role, too. He's great. I, I mean, that another film that really makes me appreciate, like, this. that's like one of those times when, like, Adam Sandler with Uncut Gems, it's like these comedic actors doing a serious role and actually doing very well. Uncut on it. Gems is so awesome. I wasn't that thrilled with it, but anyways, that's a story for another day. Uh, but yeah, so I think acting's 10 out of 10. Absolutely. There's there is no bad acting in this whatsoever. Yeah. Again, it's it's a similar sort of Casablanca where you've got your main three, right? Londa, uh Aldo Rain and Shoshana. Yep. And then you've got their supporting cast who are also like you've got the bastards, first of all, supporting Brad Pitt. Then you've got uh like the her uh, Shoshana's projector guy and then Daniel Brew playing that guy, and then you've got the uh, that all the people them like there's just a great supporting cast again all doing great work very similar to Casablanca in the way that those performances are all great and then you've got the center performances that are great I think this is also a nine okay uh look and feel fourth category this is interesting because a lot of it is actually pretty small set pieces it seems like it's not grand things it's usually contained in a it almost feels claustrophobic when i watched it in a way i mean yeah. usually it's in it's a, either, like it's, in, it's like a, shots of the battlefield or anything no there's no sweeping battles I but but i mean i like i think of like the, the tavern you know like under spectacle when you think of like the tavern scenes you yeah. know when they're doing the the what's that game um whatever they have like the cards on their head yeah. and they don't know what they are like that's like a 30 minute sequence or something yeah and longer it's, and, it, and, and it's and just it holds yeah it, it does. Like, and, no writer could do that. Because yeah. if you do it, you're going to look like you're trying to be Tarantino and be terrible at it. <laughs> and only Tarantino can and do that. And only Tarantino can do that and get I, away with it. I would also say Tartakovsky, but um, he can do that as well. But, uh, yeah, so it just felt like a, a big chunk of this film was meant to make you feel claustrophobic, or at least it made me feel claustrophobic. Everything felt tight. Everybody, Everybody's always in a small room, it seems. You know, even yeah. when it's a big room, they put the people close to a wall and then it's a small room again because of the way that they're filming it. Well, yeah. And then the explosion at the end kind of fits that. Like it's everyone's packed yeah. in there. Everyone has like you're like it's that tension. And yep. then it all has to by its very nature explode just by the way the story's been going on. Yeah. I just don't know how I feel about. I mean, I, I, I will say the aesthetic of it was was top notch overall. Very good uh, period piece as well. Everything yeah. seemed accurate. Um, if nothing else, you can vibe with this movie. And like, yeah, I'd, I'd say nine. Yeah, and it's look and feel, and just the way everything goes. Yeah, I'd say nine out of ten. I'd say also nine. Like again, the, it's got it just looks great. I th- I think just something about the claustrophobia of it just gave me this eerie feeling throughout, which is the only reason it's not a ten. I just wish it had been a little wider. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as that goes, like it's not again on it's not Citizen Kane, so whatever. I, I'm gonna from now on, I'm just gonna compare every movie to Citizen Kane in the look and feel category. Oh, um, I don't know if that's healthy or not. Um, but again, I think Tarantino moves the camera in really interesting ways here. Um, like that, that slow fade on Shoshana, and then she's there closer, and then sh- slow fade in again, even closer, and then slow fade again, even closer. Like it's just he's just having fun with the camera. Oh yeah, basically, and the editing. Well, in the in the in the basement scene when it's just like everything's slow, and then it builds up, and it's like cut 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 cut, cut as everything explodes. Like yeah. it's just great. Um, again, the soundtrack is great. Nine is my score for this one. All right. Uh, final category is effect. Cool movie for sure. Probably my third favorite Tarantino film. Uh, Django being number one, Reservoir Dogs number two, this three. I would say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I forgot about Once Upon a Time. Fiction, Once Upon a Time, Django, Reservoir Dogs, this. So this is actually this my, is number my number four. Two. This is my number four. But I, I did enjoy it. I would definitely rewatch it. Any, this is really any, close any, anytime fiction, somebody actually. says to me, hey, we're watching Inglorious, I'm there. I mean, let's do it. Yeah. It'd be fun. So uh, I would say probably uh, eight. 
Yeah, I think I'm also going to go with eight, if only for the fact that, like, it seems to have diminished in terms of, like, its tension and comedy. Like, the first time I watched it, I was, like, blown away by the tension and comedy and, like, and what it made me feel. I was like, oh, this is, like, kind of similar to what I talked about with The Last Jedi and the way that movie made me feel compared to this last time. This was similar. It's like, it, I loved it and it blew me away the first time I watched it and, like, everything that I was vibing with entirely of what it's trying to do. Whereas here, it's more I'm appreciating what it's doing from a writing perspective and a filmmaker perspective rather than I am just engaging. All right, so what is our total score then, Gideon? Total score is 85 out of 100. Fantastic. That's pretty high for us. Yeah, so puts it on, on par with Revenge of the Sith, interestingly enough. All right, wonderful. Well, thank you for tuning in to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This has been Script to Screen with Gideon and Max. And uh, stick around, because coming up next is The Shuffle.